This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Football fans, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast, the home of P6 football at SB Nation's Underdog Dynasty. This is what we call Joe Talk, and that's because it's me, Joe Serp. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Serp. And on the other side of the mic, it's Joe Broback, who you can find on Twitter at Joe Broback. What's up, bud? It's crazy how our names are so easy to find. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't do any of that underscore, no, no numbers. Just no numbers. Make it easy for everyone. Exactly. That means we expect you guys to give us a follow. We're men of the people. And we like to keep things simple. We're just two average Joes. Two simple Joes. There you go. All right. Like we've been doing on some of the past few episodes, we're going to get it started with our Joe Talk Fantasy Challenge. So I will let Joe get things started on that there. Yeah, I had a rough week last week. Uh, Darius Bradwell didn't play. Whatever. I don't care. I, I saw that. Doesn't lose me anything in the, in the long I have run. Him in, Whatever. I have him in fantasy, so I was Oof. not too thrilled about that. Yikes. I yes, still so won. He got me a whopping zero points, and then Michael Warren got me 13. You... You had quite quite a week. So Gainwell got you 25, and Cronkite got you 27. So you are mm-hmm. back in the lead at 169 points. I have 134, and the Ghost team got a whopping 12 points last week. So they're at 117. <laughs> Lovely. And uh, I believe I'm first this week. All right. I get first, you go two, and then I get the last one. So our options this week, because, you know, we Joe guessed kickers last week, and that was incorrect. We should probably do that at some point, though. That'd be fun. We should do punters is what we'll do. We'll switch it up. So we're doing receivers this week. First option is Gabriel Davis against ECU, Reggie Robertson against Temple, James Prochet against Temple, Jaden Blue against SMU, Marquez Stevenson against UConn, and Demonte Coxey versus Tulane. And I am first. I'm going to go with my squad. I'm picking Stevenson against UConn because it's UConn. Do you blame me? <laughs> Not one bit because I, I was waiting to see whether you were going to take one of the, which I think would be the obvious two. And, yeah, I would have gone with uh, Stevenson because of UConn. But I'm going to take... Gabriel Davis against the other bad team in the conference, ECU. There you go. So there's my one. There's your one. All right, now i got to pick another one, man. Another one. DJ Khaled, <laughs> what up? I can't do it. So I can't pick the guys against going against Temple. So give me my Temple out. Give me Jaden Blue. Ah, that's exactly why I put him in there. Give him to me. I needed to give you some temptation. You could have put Mac or Wright in there, and I would have taken them as well. That's that's true. All right, so I'm going to take James Forche just because, I don't know, Reg- Robertson had an injury last week, or last game, I should say, so I'm not sure what he's going to do, which means that Coxie goes to the Ghost team as well. There you go. All right, so that wraps that up. Now, let's talk a little bit about last week. Let's get it started with my I just, just mentioned Temple All the music Owls. references. You just throwing a Black Eyes Peas? Let's get it started. Jeez. Yes, sir. Man. They're overrated, but whatever. Uh, no arguments with that. <laughs> so, Temple picks up another win over a ranked opponent. First time in school history. 
that they have knocked off two ranked teams in a season. I think it's crazy that they only have nine wins over ranked teams as a whole. I mean, so that just really tells you how bad Temple used to be. But yeah, what a... I mean, you and I kind of talked about it last week. We kind of saw this coming a little bit. I mean, it was the ultimate, you know, case of, you know, especially Vegas. I think you know, it's a little bit too high on that Memphis team, and just just the way the Temple has played every team but Buffalo. I, nobody knows what happened in that game, and um, they get ranked. So I guess my question to you is, if they do not lose the Buffalo, where is this team ranked? Are they up there with, say, SMU and Boise State and Cincinnati and those teams? Or are they still hanging around with, as that one team sitting at number 25 like they are this week? Well, so they're, they were 23rd last week. So, yeah, they're probably sitting at like 19, 20, something like that, just because – I don't know if they because if they beat Temple, it just shows it would show to a lot of people that Temple's just very inconsistent. So it doesn't look like a great win, but because Temple wins now that that's a strong team. So yeah, probably around that nineteen twenty range. And you and I talked about it last week. Brady White needed to be a guy that's going to contribute to the offense, and he turned the ball over three times. And that's just I don't care who you're going to play, that's not going to win you a ton of football games. So Throwing two or four times. Well, he he himself turned the ball over three times, and they had another fumble. In addition to that, but yeah, four times. That's not going to win you many football games. Like I said, uh, it's just it's it's tough to see him take a step back almost in his development. He just doesn't look comfortable. And granted, a lot of the times he doesn't have a ton of time to throw, but you would expect a little bit better from him given the amount of playmakers and you got a guy like Kenneth Gainwell who was just destroying opposing defenses, he would think that that would give White some relief, but that's clearly not the case. Yeah, my assessment on White, whew, way off. Uh, speaking it's of... It's just get, disappointing, you know? Yeah, I didn't... No, I agree with that just because... I mean, I, I don't think either one of us saw this level of play coming from him. Like, we, we expected that Tigers offense to be clicking and granted they've had games where they put up 50 points but I don't know even in those games it wasn't it wasn't sexy you know what I mean like it, it wasn't like White was posting these crazy numbers that I mean we won't even think about him being player of the year this year despite their record right and he honestly he never really needed to be a, 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 he didn't need to be like a Riley Ferguson that's going to throw for 300-plus yards a game. Like They have the weapons to just distribute the ball and make solid, like smart decisions and not try to win the game by himself. But Memphis didn't need him to do that, and he's, he can't even really do that kind of stuff. You know, just, just dink and dunk and make smart reads. It's just he's... I don't know what's going on. It's It seems like he's gone backwards from last year, and not that last year was a, a big year for him, but it's it's not where we thought this team was going to go, especially with the amount of talent on both sides of the ball. And it, it's, it's coming down, honestly, to one guy, and that's not how it should be for this team. Yeah, and that guy, Gainwell, it kind of sucks for him, so... At one point, he was over 100 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving. He would have been the only player in college football this season to have done that. And literally on the last drive, he caught a uh, pass for negative yardage, so he didn't get that feat. He finished with 98 yards receiving. Kind of bummer. But still, he he's awesome, dude. Like, he is so fast, so shifty, I mean, he's not afraid to run people over, too. Uh, this is the first game where I really, really got to watch him, and he is so impressive. Well, and it's, it's one of those things where you lose a guy like Patrick Taylor, who everybody thought would be the next guy, and he certainly has the talent to do it, but obviously he's been hurt. So I, when he went down, I think a lot of people thought, oh, well, this is we're going to take a step back at that position, and that couldn't be further from the truth because Gainwell's having a monster year and he stepped up to play big time. And there's guys even behind him too, that are 
making some solid plays. But yeah, Gainwell's probably, I would argue that he's been the biggest surprise of the conference. Yeah. Player wise, yes, I have to agree with that. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't think we were talking. We weren't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would, that would be my argument. Put uh, Bouchelle in there, or even even another guy we're going to talk about a little bit later. I mean, Malcolm Perry, he he's been pretty true. impressive too this year. True, true. Um, now, the thing that I wanted to ask you was so with that Temple win, that kind of uh, shakes up a lot of things in this conference. You've got six teams with one loss or better, if you want to count uh, the SMU as undefeated. And that's going to change this week because four of those teams are playing against each other. But my question to you is, is it good or bad for the AAC to to have this parity? Because you know, it looks like now once we get into the serious conference play that they might start knocking each other around a little bit. And so looking like that New Year, God, I almost did it again. New Year's six game is might actually, you know, might be out of the cards. Just considering that you you do have all these teams with one loss. But again, eventually somebody's got to lose a game two, three, maybe. I mean, this year might be a three loss champion. Yeah, uh, it's 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 good and bad. So a couple of years ago, when the SEC had all all of their teams doing so well, it was oh the SEC is so strong, and granted you had a team you have a team like Alabama that's just head and shoulders above everybody else, so that that obviously helps. But the argument for the SEC being the best conference was they have so many strong teams near the top, and unfortunately now we're kind of seeing that there's not as much or as many strong teams as there used to be. But you look at the AAC, and they kind of have a, that similar problem, maybe not to the extent of the SEC if, you know, back then, but you have teams like Temple, Cincinnati, UCF, Memphis, Tulane, like SMU. They're all really, you know, really solid teams. Some of them are great. And at the same time, while they are great, that... That means that you're going to have tightly contested games and there are probably going to be more games that are more losses because teams match up well against other, you know, Cincinnati match up well against UCF, but they may not do so well against Temple and UCF still in the running for it and that they still have to play Temple. So it's, it's anybody's game. And then you look at the West and holy cow is that that going to be crowd I, you know SMU almost lost to Tulsa who's the worst team in, the, in that division right now arguably and that just shows you that anybody can win any single week and i think the east might be a little bit better just because you have Cincinnati Temple and UCF at the top and then USF ECU and UConn are so bad but the six teams in the West all can beat each other, so I think that's going to lead to a lot more losses. And yeah, just like you said, there could be a three-loss champion. Yeah, I I do think that that's how it's going to ultimately end up with, because I mean everybody's got to play. You can see a scenario now where okay, so Temple, uh, even if they lose this week, yeah, it'll hurt. But you know they they still kind of control their own destiny because the following week they get UCF and then they take Cincinnati. But look, who's to say UCF? Uh, let's say UCF wins against Temple. Temple knocks off Cincinnati. Then all of a sudden we're talking UCF. You know? Oh no, actually, then I don't even know what the crazy scenario gets to be at that point. Just because Cincy then beat UCF, it it could get really crazy even still on the east side. But yeah, what do you say about the West? I mean, it's not crazy to say that even Tulsa could somehow be the representative on that side. Right now, they only have two losses in the conference, so it's not they, like they're. I mean, they haven't been. They don't look good, but they're also not out of it. No, exactly. That's my point. They're they're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. Now, of course, yes, SMU and 
Who else on that side? Memphis. Why not Memphis already? Their losses in conference. So Tulane I guess and, Tulane and yeah, SMU are the only two without conference. Okay. Our so their losses in the West. All right. So there you go. So then Tulane, obviously. And Tulane has who this week? Oh, Tulane has Memphis this week. So one of them is going to have a loss. And okay. Quick, another quick loss. trivia question for you. Go ahead. Who scored the most points in the AAC this year? Most points um, for most points for. Yep, you are not going to believe this. I think it's that team we were just talking about, Tulane. No. According to ESPN, they've scored eighty-seven points, which puts them at. That's Tulane's only scored eighty-seven points this year. Why is that's that's wrong? In the, excuse me, in the conference, not overall. Sorry. Oh, in the conference. Who scored the most points in the conference? Okay, that changes everything. No, it changes nothing. Just kidding, it, it changes everything. But <laughs> uh, Tulane's still wrong for overall, though. They're, uh, let's see, one, two. They're still third in the conference. So overall. most points in the conference? Just within conference play. This okay. is kind of surprising just in general. For I, I think I know the answer, actually. Is it the Navy? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know they played three games versus everybody's two, but the, I'd scored 110 they, points. I still think. Well, they put up they put up 40. What was it? 45 against Tulsa. They put up uh, 40 spots. Against, yeah, against ECU. Who was it? Yeah, ECU. But still, and, I just didn't. I don't know. That just like jumped out at me. And who was their other win? They just uh, they're two and one. So they lost to who? Did they lose to? They lose to Memphis. Yeah, yes. that's the Memphis. That is your. That's it. Yes, it's Memphis. Crazy. Dang. Crazy. And then UCF still first in overall points, points for I should say. At two sixty nine, SMU's two sixty five, and Tulane's two thirty five. Tulane's nipping on their heels. Dang. And then there's UConn, who's given up. They've scored a hundred points, and they've given up two forty three. Oops. Still not as bad as last year's team, though. It's true. It's sad, but it's true. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, I guess at this point, let's move on to over-unders. Game time. Let's do it. I will let you go first this week, sir. Actually, well, let me ask you, who – we talked about guys kind of, but who who's your biggest surprise team-wise? For the AAC, we're probably gonna agree, but who would you say is the biggest surprise this year? Well, I've yeah, we're gonna agree because you have to say it's SMU because, I mean, I was on the hype train, but I didn't see six and zero coming. Yeah, I think if you have to rank the surprises, it's SMU's first for sure. Tulane's not really a surprise. Cincinnati beating UCF definitely is a surprise, but it's there's there them being good is not. As big as of a surprise as SMU, I would argue I mean, Temple being five and one because we didn't know what to expect from them after. Sorry, yeah, I'd probably go SMU, Temple, Cincinnati for the top surprises, and then on the other side, disappointments. You probably have to go. You have to say ECU. Yeah, but would you? Well, you right there. They are a disappointment. Not, a, but like, is is UCF the top disappointment this year? Oof, that's a good question. Two losses in the first half of the season. That has to yeah. be number one. Houston being two or is bad. I, like, I, 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 still, be terrible. I still say it's Houston, though, just because of what has happened since with Houston. I mean, we didn't, even, we didn't even talk about, uh, oh, my God, I'm blank, uh, Justin McMurphy and that whole blow up last week. Yeah, which is like, I don't know. 
once I've, I've read the whole thread and then as you're like, I mean, some of it, you know, is that's what's going on in college football. Let's be honest. But then that towards everywhere. Yeah. But towards the end, you can almost tell like almost says like he needs some help, too. Yeah. He's got a lot of health concerns, yeah. which granted, there's a lot of a lot of players that you could say that about. But I don't know. There's probably some truth to what he was saying. But at the same time, there are a lot of things that it's like, dude, you sound like you're just complaining. Yeah. And no offense, no offense to him, but like. He transferred two times already. So if he's going to talk about quitting, like, mm-hmm. you could say he quit on two schools already, and now he's quitting on Houston. Mm-hmm. Whether he forced the, Houston forced his hand or whatnot. And honestly, it, it wasn't like he was one of the best players on the team anyways. Like, Houston's own line in the, up the middle, at least at guards, their play was just bad, and it's still bad. Like it's just I, Clayton Toon got destroyed this week because mm-hmm. the line just didn't block and Murphy wasn't like it wasn't like he was dominating like he probably was okay at best so it's not like I don't know if this was like Dear King saying something it might be different but I don't know I, I think it's a case where he probably was getting asked to well he's probably getting benched because he is a senior. I mean, he he's not like King or some of the other guys where he could even have that option to redshirt. Right. So well, it, he said that he, he knows it's over. He basically. said that he got uh, he gets an MRI for his that he tore his meniscus or whatever. I don't remember mm-hmm. the, de- the exact details, but he said he gets an MRI that he tore his meniscus and he goes out the next day and pl- practices. Like there's a difference between being tough and just being stupid. And then the, later that week, for the North Texas game, he's asked not to get on the plane, which he leaves the details out about that. Like, something happened. It wasn't like he just practiced, and they're like, nope, you can't go. Yeah, well, it had to be a blow-up of some sort. Or maybe he wasn't medically ready to go. God, we should have got him for the podcast. Could you imagine our numbers for that? Not a bad idea. We can, maybe we can pull that off still. Yeah, there we go. All right, let's do those over-unders. You that get it started. Really weird when you say it like that. Why? Let's do over-unders. Let's play our game. I mean, you can, you can Dude, you're be weird about game, that, too. Dude, you're winning this game, by the way. I'm, I win everything. Do we well, not? That's also true. You're winning Fantasy Challenge. You're winning P6 Pick'em. I'm winning underdogs against the spread. Dude, I'm winning you were, this. So you were at... You were at 67, plus 67 last week, and you went minus 50, or, yeah, you went minus 50 last week, so you're at 17, Mm. and I'm at minus 53. You booty. Whatever. I don't care. Again, until you come up with something that says, hey, you, here's your punishment, it doesn't matter to me. My punishment is hearing you gloat about yourself. Sing on air. Sing on air, yeah. (laughs) No, do we want to keep the podcast or shut it down? Let her rip, potato chip. All right, first one I have, because Houston struggled, and man, do they need a little pick-me-up. I'm hoping they get a pick-me-up this week against UConn, though it's on the road. So the first one I need you to tell me is how many points Houston is going to score. Be nice to me. Against UConn, Houston. Houston's ball banged up. Give me 48. 40? Oh, wow. That's more. Wow, you're being generous. This is UConn we're talking about. I it's it's this is Houston we're talking about. I just told you their problems. I know UConn's UConn. got way bigger problems. <laughs> you should watch Houston's whole line play. Anybody not named Josh Jones or every Williams. team should be able to put up forty on UConn. You know what? That is true. Although you know what I should say? If Tom Herman stayed or Major Appoit didn't just like destroy the program, that number you probably would have put a seven as the first number at least. You're probably right about that. Which is crazy. If King if King was in this game, that number would be way higher. Oh, for sure. 
All right, next one. We're going to keep it with points. And since we mentioned UConn, they play Houston. And my disappointment for the year, ECU, they play UCF. And I don't think they're going to score a ton of points. How many points do you think they're going to score combined? We really do think too much alike. Is is that one of yours? (laughs) No, but mine is very, very similar. All right, keep it. No, I am, just because it's so funny. All right, so total points combined between the two. Yeah. Give me 31. 31. What's the breakdown? Who's going to score what? Uh, I don't don't know. Dude, you can't just throw out a number like that and not be ready for that. uh, Houston will allow... 17, UCF will allow 14. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then, wow, I just everything I have is tied into something. So I mentioned UCF. You mentioned UCF. We talked about that game. I think they're just going to destroy ECU. I think you do too. But number of rushing yards for the Knights this week. Now they've had two weeks off to prepare. Not that they need two weeks to prepare for ECU. Heck, number- I don't think they need two days to prepare for ECU. 232. Okay, here's the next question. I should, this should be my, well, it's not, but last year's UConn team, what do you think the least amount of time a team could take to prepare for that team? Like UCF, how many days do you think, like, or hours even, do you think yeah, they would need they to prepare could, to beat that team? Like, they, they, could, could, they could just they show could, up and play. But yeah, I was going to say, they could just get done a game playing. Temple, who will hit you pretty hard, then go out there and play UConn again and beat that team. No preparation, just no. that. Yeah, they were they were terrible last year. I mean, gave up sixty in every game, six hundred yards in how many games? Like it was absurd how bad they were last year. All right, so what's your last one? Last one, probably arguably. Well, no, not game of the week. Never mind, underrated game of the week. Tulane, Memphis. I think it's going to be a shootout. I hope it's a shootout. Be great. Total yards for Memphis and Tulane's offense. Man, this is a big number. It's going to be a big one, yeah. I don't want to go. Give me 945. 945. Holy crap. Even though for I almost wanted to say a thousand, but <laughs> I, you and I would not be surprised if that number was a thousand something. All right, now let's see how much our great minds think alike here. It's kind of ridiculous. My first one for you has to do with Houston, just like your first one had to do with Houston. So Shot. my question, my question for you is. We don't even know how many quarterbacks are going to play in this game. So the total number of incompletions by Houston quarterbacks. Oh, gosh. Well, they do play UConn, so I'm not. Oh, they had. Well, Toon was let like 9 for 27 uh-huh. last week. And Bryson Smith, which, by the way, can we just stop for a moment and talk about the actual dime that Bryson Smith threw? Did you see that? No, it was on the road. Temple. Dude, they ran. They ran like they were running QB sweep to the right, and he just stops and unloads a bomb. It was so nice. Oh, he was one for one. Would you look at that? One for one, and, fifty yards. And it's that bomb, I guess, huh? Yep. So I'm gonna say uh, ten incompletions. That's it. All right. It is UConn, so. Touche. All right. I think your question was total number of points Houston was going to score, right? And then you asked me, then you asked me something about UCF. Uh, so, I said ECU UConn points, and then UCF rushing yards after. Okay. That. Okay. Okay. All right. So this is I have written down. Give me the combined yeah. point differential of the Houston and UCF. Combined point differential. For Houston and UCF. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
I'm going to say... I'm going to say 55. It probably should be bigger, but I just don't trust Houston's offense right now. Interesting. I expected it to be much bigger. That's, that's what you get. All right, next up. I mentioned his name a little bit earlier. One of the surprises in the conference, that being Malcolm Perry. He gets to take on a USF team that we didn't even get to talk about, but got a decent win over BYU last week. But give me the total number of rushing yards for Malcolm Perry this week. Uh, I'm going to go with... Well, yeah, 218. Well, that was against Tulsa. I'm going to go with 130. He's going to come back down to earth. All right. And last one. Tulsa, is, as we know, has been running basically two running backs for most of the season. They go against a pretty tough Cincinnati defense. So tell me the total number of yards that Cincinnati gives up on the ground. Cincinnati. Total yards on the ground. Well, geez. It, Tulsa just rushed for like 60 yards. No, 69 yards. Nice. Against Navy. Yeah, that's pretty pathetic. That's brutal. I don't think they're going to struggle that much again. But So, total. You said total yards rushing? Yep. 80. Why not? I don't know. Tulsa's so weird this year that I just I just no idea what to predict for them. So that's what I got. 80. If I don't destroy you this week, let me just your your total that you gave me is 275. Or I should say that I guessed. The total that you guessed is 1256. <laughs> well, you gave me these ridiculously high numbers. It's all good. I'm still going to be right. Dude, I hope you get the Memphis Tulane number on the dot. That'd be hilarious. Same. Same here, sir. I'll still be leading after next week. All right. That's a wrap-up for our over-unders. This show always wins. You're a winner. I love it, baby. Just win, baby. Show me the money. What did Al Davis say? Just win, baby, win? Yes, sir. All right, let's get into what is already week seven, Joe. Week seven? This is, yeah. You sure? Am I not Are we going right? back in time? Are we on week eight already? Yeah, we're on week eight, man. Jesus. Wow. Jeez. We are on week eight. Crazy. I lost crazy. track of – I'm losing track of time now, too. <laughs> I don't like how NFL – they should have the same week number so I don't get it mixed up. I know. It does not throw you off. Yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's get it started. We don't have to talk about this game too much. Uh, Houston's 2-4 and four on the road against UConn. I didn't even write down what their record is because it doesn't even matter. Um, I don't know. Oh, did you see? So they put out the picture for the basketball media day, and UConn's not in it. Are you serious? I'm pretty sure I saw somebody post that on uh, Twitter, like Ultimate Shade. And then I don't know if you saw the quote from Oresco saying it's not awkward unless you make it, made it awkward. And he was definitely throwing even more shade at UConn. But, um, yeah, he's he's definitely been firing some shots lately at them. I kind of like it. Um, games at 12 p.m. You can see it. 
on ESPNU if you want to watch this drubbing. 22-point favorites. I believe that is the – nope, it is the second biggest favorite in the conference this week. Um, I don't know. What is there to say other than Houston, they really need this game to kind of get some things in order. Yeah, they're uh... – they're desperate for some success, but things aren't as bad as you think. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people had high expectations for this season, and it's really tough to have those expectations and adjust them according to what you see, which is kind of the problem with like preseason polls too, is that you have people who watch last the year before, and you see what happens the year before, and you make judgments based on that stuff. And when in reality, nothing's the same, really. There may be, like, you might have 14 stars returning somewhere around then. But, like, there's so many variables that go into, like, people underestimate how much things change for 18 to 22-year-olds. And just because you have a good year one year doesn't guarantee that you're going to be good the next year. I mean, look at Clemson. Clemson won the national championship last year, and they've looked anything but this year. Granted, they're still undefeated, but they have not looked good. And Houston obviously wasn't going to make a national championship run, but there were people who thought they could win eight or nine games, including myself. But now you watch the games and you realize this is not an eight or nine win team. This is probably a six win team. And people are calling that an embarrassment and whatnot. It's it's not an embarrassment. It's just that's that's the team they were always going to be. We just needed to see it. And there are inconsistencies on both sides of the ball. I talked about the offensive line. The, the middle of that line is just so young and inexperienced right now. And you can just, you just, you just see it, and it's costing Houston a lot of efficiency and explosiveness on offense. And on the other side of the ball, they were so bad the last two years. Mark D'Onofrio was just terrible, and it, it, you you can see the energy level and the effort is so much better than the last two years, but they're still... There's missed tackles, there's missed assignments, there's no communication at times. And those are things that these some of these kids unfortunately learned from the previous regime. And granted, Joe Cawthon's trying to change that, and you can see those things. But we live in a world where people need to see things now, and they need change now. And no one's patient enough to wait for the long run. And at this point in the season, at 2-4... and four, you need to give this team time because they have potential and we there are glimpses of it every single game but people can't sit back and wait for a long run result they need to have things happen immediately that's the nature of all sports right now though that's true you know, means look at NFL uh, yeah look at baseball the I knew you were going to that dig in some hey, point in okay. the show. Can we just? I just need to say this to you, and I hope Settles listening too. First of all, take that thirty-eight twenty L, and second of all, tell your linebacker who's not on your team anymore yeah, to we, shut we, his mouth. We okay? cut ties with him, dude. Okay, if you're going to say something about someone being the weakest link on the offense, that being Kirk Cousins, and then that dude just Still destroys true. your team. Okay, relax. He destroys your team. I don't necessarily care that he, you know, what it was cool that Kirk played really well, whatever. But then when people are asking you questions, don't shy away from it like you didn't say it and you don't want to talk about it. That's don't be a coward. Come on. At least say, yep, I, I said something. I was wrong. We can move on. Because now people are just going to ask you about it. And then the best part is he gets released this week. Like, oh my gosh. What a story. I'm sorry. I just had to go on that rant. Nah. Take that, Eagles think. fans. Diggs really stuck it to us. That's all I know. Yeah, well, it's about time he did something. Yeah. 
So you guys don't want him. We'll take him to Philadelphia for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of teams would take him at this point. I know Ravens fans are dying for him since he went to Maryland. They're convinced there's a tie. Whatever. I don't want to hear it anymore. There's a tie everywhere. Exactly. Let's bring it back to the AAC, all right? Let's bring it back to the game of the week. Those Temple Owls at 5-1, and one, traveling to Dallas, take on the 6-0 and oh SMU Mustangs. The game's at 3.30 on ESPN2. SMU, 7.5-point favorite. These are my two teams, man. Well, one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. One. Seven one. and a half? Seven and a half. Did I see that wrong? I, nope. I'm not yeah, doubting Seven and a half. Yeah, seven and a half. I'm just doubting that number should be so big. I have zero arguments with that. Look, like, I know that SMU is off this week and Temple played and SMU is at home, but did they not just almost lose to Tulsa at home? Was that a home game? I'm pretty sure it was. I uh, can look that up in one second. SMU's last five. Yeah, you're right. It was a home game for them. They needed a triple overtime miraculous catch to pull that off. I, yeah, wow, I, that Temple's been that Temple's been. This will be the third game this year. They're underdog against a ranked team, and they've embraced it. So this and is a different should. test. This is on the road, obviously, and you know, I'm ground game for. For the Owls, is fantastic. Russo is still scary to me a little bit. Yeah, he's uh, he's a wild card for sure. Yeah, I think I, you have the two uh, coach of the year candidates in this game. A win for def- the, you know? definitely. Yeah, definitely. I did. Well, you got to throw uh, Willie Fritz in the in the mix too. Yeah, I think just because of the the shocking way these both of these teams have gotten to this point, I think they're taking over those spots. But yeah, if, well if Willie Fritz wins the conference or wins the West at, and only loses one or two games, then we can talk. But right now I would say that Carey and Sonny Dykes are top two easily. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Well, so we know what I think about this game. You obviously know that I think Temple's going to pull off this win. Yeah, you think Temple's going to win every game, though. If they could play Alabama 12 games in a row, you'd think they'd win. No, not Alabama. Mm. I think SMU is going to win. I, I, I don't, I don't believe they're going to struggle like they did against Tulsa. I don't know if there's really any truth that they overlooked Tulsa. I don't know why you'd overlook them for a bye week or two weeks from then, but it's Temple's Temple's obviously made a statement with their two big wins. The Buffalo loss is just going to be... We're probably going to talk about that every single week and how frustrating and, and really confusing. Because we, this could be two 6-0 teams and Temple would be ranked. And Exactly. That's what annoys me about the whole situation, too. I just think that that Shane Bouchelle is so much more consistent than Anthony Russo or anybody that Temple puts at quarterback. Yes. There's too many, there's too many weapons for Temple to cover. And last week, Memphis had a ton of weapons, but it came down to, like we said, it came down to Brady White, and Brady did not play well. And I, I know that Shane Bouchelle is much more consistent than Brady White to this point, and he's actually a legitimate threat that the Owls must worry about. And so I think for that reason, that's why SMU is going to win. Temple all day, baby. Go Owls. All right, let's move on to another 3.30 game. Tulsa is 2-4. and four. Taking on Cincinnati, who is 5-1. You can watch it on ESPNU. Bearcats, a 17-point favorite against Tulsa. Tulsa, I mean, other than I mean, I don't know what happened last week. That was kind of shocking. I mean, the way that uh, Navy just kind of blitzed them, especially Perry. He was unstoppable. But Tulsa has, for the most part, played most teams tight. So that's why I'm a little bit surprised by that 17-point number. Hey, remember when you said Navy is going to win two games and they're at four now? Yeah. Anyways, Tulsa, yeah, really weird. Because you had, well... 
So kind of tying in SMU and Tulsa, we just talked about how Tulsa almost went on the road and beat SMU. And now they follow that up with a demoralizing loss. They lost, what was it, 45-17 to 17 was the final yeah. of the Navy and just got dominated on the ground. Perry rushed for 218 yards, like we said. And coming into this year, the strength of Tulsa's team was running the football. And Shamari Brooks had 55 yards, and I think Corey Taylor had six or something. Just awful. And now they play a Cincinnati team that survived against Houston. Not like a super scare, but they only won by 15. And it wasn't like their defense was playing great either. So I wouldn't say that they're on an upset alert. I think they kind of woke up after, you know, survive. They pull off an emotional win against UCF, and then they you know, deal with the emotions of coming, kind of crashing down against Houston and pull out that win. And now they'll refocus and get back on track when they just hopefully destroy Tulsa because I don't have any faith in Tulsa doing anything. It's not like they have anything to be worried about going forward considering the next three games are Tulsa, ECU, and UConn, and then you can throw USF after that. It's not like they have their eyes aren't you know a month away from this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that schedule is definitely pretty. I don't know. I do think that that number is high, though. I think Tulsa will keep it within that number just because, I mean, we talked about that game against SMU, but, I mean, the score against Oklahoma State looks inflated, but there was a late touchdown in that game that didn't matter. Um, I don't know. I just think that they are a better team than – I mean, like I said, last week, I don't know what happened there. Like, that was just inexcusable. But I do think that that number is kind of high. Well, and defending the triple option is another aspect that's, you know, underrated and difficult to... Exactly. So that might have another... Defending a power run game like Cincinnati's, that might be a little easier for Tulsa. That's something they're more accustomed to. But defending Malcolm Perry and the triple option is just a whole other beast. Speaking of Malcolm Perry, let's get into that one. I think this line is the one that shocks me the most. Um, Navy welcomes USF. They are a 14-point favorite. I think that's high. I know we are not too big on the Bulls this year. They have been pretty lousy, to say the least. And you know how I feel about Navy. I don't. I, I'm I'm surprised that this forum one mark. Obviously, I just think that's a that's a very weird number. Well, we we don't know anything about Navy. <laughs> you and I both have no idea what to expect. And if USF would have lost last week against BYU, which I thought they did. To be completely honest, because Same. last time I saw it, it was like 23-14 BYU. I think that was the score. Yeah, because they lost 20, or USF won 27-23. And I stopped I paying just, attention to the game, too. I did the exact same thing. Yeah, I just I saw the score and just thought, okay, this one's over. Because there's this, I don't know. And then too late, Jordan Cronkite scores, puts them ahead. And I'm not going to say that's a catalyst to making a bowl game but it certainly is better than losing it and you know two and four is way different than three and three obviously just in general but for this team especially that kind of gives them a little hope i think if they're two and four at this point it's easy to see them thrown in the towel but now they're three and three they have a chance to I don't know if their defense can slow down Malcolm Perry because not many teams have this year. And I, I don't know. It's uh, 14 is kind of a weird number. It is in Annapolis, and you and I know the confusion that is that stadium. So who? it's kind of fitting. Like We have no idea what to expect from either team, so why not make a line that we don't understand? Yeah, that's just strange to me. If if the Bulls lost last week, are we are we talking about a potential coaching change? 
Right, we can talk about it now. Okay. Let's talk to me about it. Should there be a coaching ball? Do we think that after this season, Charlie Strong is out? Well, I saw something that said that the money, if you're looking at money, there's no way he's going to get fired. But tell me, tell me what he's done at USF that warrants him sticking around. They beat BYU this year. They underachieved with Quentin Flowers. I think that's the biggest mistake right there, underachieving with Flowers. And then since since then, they haven't been able to come up with any anything close to a resemblance of that offense. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, you can blame the offense coordinator all you want, but, and, you know, I would say the offense, well, Kerwin Bell looks a lot, his offense looks a lot better than Sterling Gilbert's did. So there is that, but. It's not saying much. What? Right, well, like, I don't know. What is what 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 if you had to make an argument for Charlie Strong? What, like what has he done to make you think, yeah, let's keep him around for another few years? Nothing. Not even the recruiting part has worked out. I mean, they're probably better half of the of the American, but I'm sure when they brought him in, they expected him to make them one or two every year. Right, which he did that at Texas, and then he just couldn't win games. And so you bring him to South Florida, which, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's some decent football players in South Florida. Yeah, it's a hotbed. I don't know. Is Miami in South Florida? I don't know. Like, what? Well, you know, it's just, it's not like there's a, a deficit in terms of talent. So it's just, you're not, he's just not bringing them in like he did at his previous stops, and he's not winning. Like he went ten and two his first year, then he goes seven and six, and now he's three and three. And it's just I don't. It just doesn't exactly scream confidence. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, we're just gonna wait until this season is over, and then we're gonna be talking about a coaching change, unless something drastic happens. Which well, like if they make a bowl game, do you think he's gone? I don't know. It's he's kind of in like limbo right now, where he's yeah he's on the hot seat, but it's not like he's doing. It awful well i don't know the financial situation so that could play a factor especially if he, they do make a bowl game i think if they don't i think it's a guarantee that he's he's out now if they sneak in at six and six we can it'll, it might depend on what happens in said bowl game if if it's another one you know if they manage to get blown out in a bowl game then then he's gonna be gone we yeah uh, who knows we shall see. The other team in Florida is doing all right, though. Well, maybe not all right as they have been in recent years, but we don't have to worry about any coaching changes down there. That's UCF. They got a 7 p.m. game against ECU. They are a 33-and-a-half-point favorite. Vegas still thinks that Vegas – or excuse me, that the Knights are trying to put up some style points. So, and honestly, I see that number being kind of perfect. I could see UCF winning this game by five touchdowns. Here's what I'm more interested in. I want to see the, this fan base. Are they they're really about their team or are they just riding a high? Because there's no magic anymore. That magic is gone. You know, they have, they've now had two weeks off to recover from that loss is is this stadium going to be packed or are we going to see empty seats because if you are really about this life and really about this team and you're going to be at the game and it's going to be packed and we're going to hear you know we heard all about these sellouts first for this stadium for spectrum stadium and how this is the greatest team ever and this is this program is going places and now all of a sudden you have two losses. So are you really about that life, or are you just saying stuff on Twitter because you can? Which is probably a lot of people that are doing that, anyways. But it's it that's more interesting to me than the actual game. Will they have a sellout? Will there be empty seats, or will we see a fan base really stand behind their team even in the face of two losses? 
Ooh, I think the team that they're playing doesn't help with that case. No, but you know, it, but they, yes, the I agree. Years. They, they should still be there. Don't get me wrong. I agree with that. But because yeah, they didn't they but, play UConn the last two years, or they played them one one year and they there wasn't like there there were empty seats then. So, I I don't think that matters to me honestly. Yeah, only one way we'll find out. We will see you on Saturday, seven o'clock. I'll I'll turn on CBS Sports Network for literally three minutes just to see if there's tweet, people in the stands. Me an update if I'm not watching it. Yeah. Well, there's another game at seven o'clock to watch that'll be way more interesting. True. That's for sure. That is two five and one teams, Tulane traveling to Memphis. You can watch it on ESPN two. Tigers are a four and a half point favorite. I think that number is kind of perfect, just considering they're the home team there. But Tulane, um, yeah, we saw Temple get some love in the national polls. Are you surprised that Tulane didn't? Well, it's kind of I don't that the twenty four to six loss to Auburn is just kind of weird. I don't know if that's factoring into. I think that kind of proves that their one loss is a pretty quality loss as opposed to the Temple's one loss is not quality at all. Well, like, And then I guess your counter-argument for Temple is they knocked off two ranked teams, but still they were two ranked teams in the bottom. I don't know. Well, and like Memphis, I don't know. It's weird that you know Memphis lost to Temple, who lost to Buffalo. And that's, they get more love than Tulane, who's, I don't know, but like, I guess who is Tulane beat that's worth putting them in the top 25. They beat FIU, Houston, Missouri State, Army, who's not as good as we thought, and UConn. So I guess that's kind of why. That's probably why, to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, the wins aren't as impressive. Right. They'll be there eventually. If they win this game, they should be in there. I think it's just a more of a. It's nice to see that the Americans getting some love from voters. I agree. That means anything because in the end the playoff committee is going to screw them over anyways. So that doesn't matter. But at least there's because last year and two years ago these media members weren't even giving the AAC the time of day. So now that the fact that there are teams being ranked and not just like UCF's. 15th you know you have smu's 19th cincinnati's 21st uh memphis was 23rd last week Tulsa, excuse me temple could be ranked if they beat smu like there's kind of a change in terms of the perception of this conference that's definitely p6 now i i think there's there's really no argument against it i mean obviously we are constantly talking about it but i think even the national media is starting to recognize it now again these teams are going to start beating up on each other will that change how people think literally in a couple weeks right like if memphis beats tulane and then loses to houston or you know it's just there's so many options and then I think you said that Temple still has to play Cincinnati and UCF. Like, they lose one of those games, and now they have two losses all of a sudden. And then, say, Cincinnati loses it to, I don't know. It's It could get real messy real quick, and that's not going to help. But the only team that I'm really confident in, in you know, being that elite team is, is SMU right now. I don't know. It's it just seems like that's where we're headed, unfortunately, with no oh. clear cut elite team. I don't know. Call me crazy. I still think UCF is still the best team in this conference. Maybe not record wise, but I think when it's all said and done, they're going to be in that conference championship game again. I don't know why. That is I think, pretty I, interesting. I think I think Temple is going to somehow find a way to trip up. Now, like I said earlier, that's crazy. I don't know how that works out with the tiebreaker. If, say, Temple beats uh, Cincinnati and UCF beats Temple, I don't know how that tiebreaker works out. I'm not sure if you do. I don't either. I yeah. Because well, we, we had the same scenario last year because 
it was like UCF, Temple, and Cincinnati all played each other within like three or four weeks, I think. So yep. people were talking about that, but I don't, yeah, I don't remember. And what. if I remember right, didn't last year Memphis and Tulane tie, but Memphis got in on whatever the tiebreaker was? Yeah. Oh, what, what? Yeah, I don't, yeah, it was because. I think they both only had one loss in the comp, maybe maybe two losses. I can't remember exactly, but I'm I'm like pretty sure that they uh they tied they, they did tie and then Memphis got in on whatever the tiebreaker is. That's what we I guess need to figure out. Right, because Memphis, well, because Memphis lost to Tulane last year, mm-hmm. so then they had to be oh, like because some... because Houston was tied with them also. They were all five and three, and. Memphis beat Houston, who beat Tulane, who beat Memphis. So then I don't, yeah, I don't know what. There's got to be a tie. We got to, for the next episode, we got to figure out that uh, tie We break. figured it out last year, too, and I can't remember now what it was. Well, we'll save that for the next one. There you go. We're running uh, running long like we always do here. So on that note, we will wrap up this episode of the Underdog Podcast Please, please leave us some reviews on however you're listening to this episode. Follow Underdog Dynasty on Facebook and Twitter. And until next time, football fans, thanks for listening to our Joe Talk.